as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the six Alright everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot And I am Andy Wilson, also a Big Shiny Robot And we're here this week, we've got three movies to talk to you about Warcraft, The Conjuring 2, and Now You See Me 2 uh, So due to work being what it is and time constraints i only got to see conjuring 2 uh, but andy you got to see everything oh you got to see warcraft and now you see me so yeah how about you talk to us about warcraft let's talk about warcraft adam how how much did you play the warcraft games starting all the way back to like warcraft 1 orcs and humans so uh, with the exception of world of warcraft because when it came out my computer sucked i played the crap out of Warcraft 1, 2, and 3. I mean, they were some of my favorite games. Um, mm-hmm. To this day, I still I would love to go back and kind of play through them again because uh, those kind of led into StarCraft and everything else. So I've been a huge Warcraft fan, um, God, since I was a young teenager. Yeah, World of Warcraft and the Warcraft games, you've got a really rich like mythos and storyline, sometimes that's a little bit overly convoluted and complex. Yeah. But you've got great stories in there, right? Like, what were some of your favorite stories, like, out of that series? I would say it's probably, I mean, obviously the war between the orcs and the humans. That's kind of where everything came from until yeah. they kind of started banding together uh, in World of Warcraft. Yeah, I, I thought there was some really cool stuff with, like, the Lich King and Arthas in uh, oh, yeah. in, in Warcraft 3. And, and that built into what was going on in World of Warcraft and the world that they were living in. And so I'm kind of a little bit flabbergasted that, like, of all the storylines that they have available from Warcraft, that they started with this basic origin story, and it's that's it. And, and that is my biggest and first problem with this movie is that it is so intent on telling its origin story that it never gets back to the real heart of why fans really love this series and and what's cool about it. Now, that being said, it is gorgeous. It oh, is, yeah, I've heard it's some of the best CGI they've ever done. It's absolutely amazing. And they spent their budget, and they spent it well. And uh, Toby Kebbell, who uh, previously has wowed us with his uh, motion capture and digital uh, acting in the in the last Planet of the Apes movie, uh, is again here the single best person in the entire cast as as the orc uh, Durotan. He's just absolutely amazing. He seems real. Uh, his character is unfortunately the only person in the entire script who feels fleshed out and that he has actual motivations going on here. Mm-hmm. And everyone else feels very, pardon the expression, two-dimensional. Uh, <laughs> and it, especially compared with the human characters. And so... It's got Dominic Cooper, who we love. Yeah, it's, it's got Dominic Cooper and... And he's paired here with his Preacher co-star, Ruth Nega, who's also playing his wife, and uh, the, the queen of Azeroth. And they're just boring here. 
And uh, these are actors and actresses that I know can do better. Uh, I think this really comes down to the script. And the script is a little bit boring. Uh, it's a little bit flat. And I don't know where to lay the blame for that. It was co-written by the director, Duncan Jones, who I I loved Moon. And everyone oh, should go fantastic. out. And, yeah, it's, it's an amazing movie. And uh, we should also mention... Uh, Duncan Jones, the son of the late great David Bowie. Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, and and uh, he is a competent director and a and a competent writer, and so I'm not sure what slipped past here or why they felt the need to be so slavish to these very narrow storylines rather than kind of the really cool big epic storylines that. Uh, that Warcraft has elsewhere. Uh, again, I I keep coming back to this idea of like if it's a comic book movie that they're so intent on telling the origin story, they don't get at the heart of why people love the characters and the world to begin with. Um, so uh, this isn't the worst thing out there, but it's also not the best. Uh, if you're a diehard fan of Warcraft, uh, there are some little winks in there for you. Uh, you you get to see like a murloc fishing in a river and um, some, uh, a few other little things. Leroy Jenkins? Uh, uh, no, wow. no, unfortunately no Leroy Jenkins. That would have... See, like things like that would have been fun. And um, But this... This is only orcs and humans. We We never get any of... Uh, the expanded universe. There's no ogres. There's no trolls. There's really? there's almost no elves, except for like a, a couple, like fleeting shots of them literally sitting around a table. Uh, a couple of dwarves, and you see some uh, some draenei in cages uh, in in the outland at the very beginning of the movie, and like that's it. And, and so it's just orcs and humans. And I'm like, you know, you have this giant box of crayons and you've only chosen to to draw this picture in green and red. And uh, that, that just, it feels so yeah. limited. And it's like they're setting up for a sequel that they assume they're going to get. And I want to see that sequel because I can guarantee you it'll be better than this. But this is just kind of... It, it's too intent on, on world building and setting it up for a payoff that we never really get around to. So I'm right down the middle here. Five out of ten. If you love Warcraft, I don't know if I should tell you to go see it or not. Because well, my friends you, who love Warcraft have been, lo have been loving this movie. Okay, well then, then maybe people will love it. As someone who, like, I played World of Warcraft for years, and uh, I was never very good at it, but I really enjoyed myself. <laughs> were, there, were there any jokes about killing boars? No, there are no jokes about killing boars. There's no... But this felt like one of those terrible grinding levels, like you're out running around the barrens collecting, like... 50 feathers and you know so you're saying the, the movie plays out the way the first couple hours of the game does yeah kinda 
and that's <laughs> that's that's kind of the problem. Is like it's one of those resource collecting levels where you're just like, oh, we gotta chop down ten thousand lumber and collect ten thousand oil so we can move on. It's like, uh, let's get back to the fighting, please. Yeah. <laughs> and oh my gosh, some of these fight scenes, pretty cool, pretty cool, really violent, like uh, um, crushing people's heads with with your hands and Ooh. like dramatic impalements and and uh orc blood splurting everywhere which as as we know from uh previous things like the lord of the rings if it's orc blood it's okay yes. just as long as it's not human blood so and the same thing with walking dead as long as it's zombies it's fine exactly so this gets away with being pg-13 but it is it is a pretty violent pg-13 uh so if you've got young kids that really want to see it uh just think about how much violence they're actually ready for before you take them in there. Did you uh, did you happen to see what Jamie Lee Curtis did at the premiere of the movie? <laughs> yes. So her son, <laughs> her son's a huge fan, so she cosplayed as an orc queen uh, on the red carpet and then ran into the theater yelling Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> and, and and the story behind that was like she was stalking the producers. Oh, she wanted to be in it. Yeah, she wanted to be in it so bad, and I'm like. This movie could have used some some manic Jamie Lee Curtis in it. Yes. Um, there are like no female orcs in this. There are there are two main ones. There's Durotan's wife, and uh, and one other uh, and one other orc female. But mostly it's just like an orc sausage party, and it's it's just terrible. Uh, <laughs> they could have used some uh, some gender diversity in here. And could have developed like cool female characters, but oh well. Yeah, I, I think, but they're I don't know. It's it is what it is. Uh, I I can almost guarantee we'll get a sequel. I mean, this thing is doing gangbusters in China. I think it actually might be setting the record for the highest grossing box office weekend in uh, China. I would I would blame all of the gold farmers on that. That's what I was thinking. So yeah, it's a Warcraft you're in the middle of the road. If, if you're a fan, you'll probably like it. Again, it's one I still want to see because every now and then it's kind of fun. It seems some spectacle, um, but I, I'm not really expecting much out of it. Um, what I was expecting a lot out of it and actually delivered pretty well was The Conjuring 2. Uh, so for those familiar, a couple years ago, the first one came out and it was the story of Ed or Ed and Lorraine Warren, who in real life are the scum of the earth, charlatans, but. In the movies, they're the, the heroes. Uh, it's played by Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, respectively. Uh, they're paranormal researchers. She's got like a psychic thing. They go investigate, you know, using the power of Christ compels you, uh, and you know, make sure the houses are clean when they leave. So this takes place after years later. Uh, their daughter's kind of grown up, and they start hearing the story. They get drawn into what was kind of known as the Amityville of London. Um, so the Hodgson family they start to notice weird things happening. Um, hearing voices, things are moving around, uh, and it all seems to be kind of focused on their young daughter, Janet, who's played amazingly uh, by Madison Wolf. I mean, if you see this movie for no other reason, she gives us a fantastic performance. Uh, so um, it seems like no matter what happens, the bad things kind of follow her around. She's kind of being possessed, and by apparently this old man who used to live in the house and died there. Uh, so the Warrens are called in to kind of solve the mystery. And you know, hopefully, save this child's life. And that's about all I'm going to tell you. Uh, not that the movie has too many plot twists, but because it's a horror film, it's kind of one of those things that's really great to 
uh, experience by yourself, not knowing much going in. Uh, and that's actually an interesting thing too with uh, this movie and the first one is that they're both rated R, uh, based solely on the scariness of the movie. Um, I mean, I don't think there's any language in here. There's no nudity, a small amount of blood. Um, it's just a damn scary movie. And is it as scary as people are hyping it up to be? I don't really think so because I'm kind of a wuss when you come to these things. Um, but I'll I jumped a couple times and got the adrenaline running. So. Uh, James Wan does a great, great job of uh, just building dread and terror and just keeping you on the edge of your seat the entire movie. I mean, we were in recliners, but even then I was tensed up because everything was just so crazy. Uh, it's a lot of fun. It's really well done. My only really big complaint is that it's a bit too long. It's two hours. It could probably be about an hour and 40 minutes. There's kind of some padding um, in the middle. Uh, and, they're, and the ending's very anticlimactic. It's kind of, boom, it happens, and then, yay, it's done and over with. Uh, but it's a lot of fun. If you love horror movies, this is one of the best to come around um, in a long time. Uh, it doesn't rely on cheap jump scares, which I hate. I, mean, I don't mind jump scares, but when you make a loud noise just to make the audience jump, it's just lazy filmmaking. Um, and thankfully, this doesn't fall prey to any of those tropes. Uh, so if you're a fan, go check it out. Uh, and if you just like horror in general, please go see this movie. Uh, I'm actually at an 8 out of 10. I was pretty surprised I was able to go that high on it. Wow, that's really great. It's, yeah. it's always good when a when a movie can actually be scary and when a sequel can can deliver like that. Um, so, uh, where where were you at on the on the first one? Um, you know, I was probably about a seven on the first one. I mean, I liked it. I wasn't a huge huge fan. Um, but this one again, it's just it's a lot of fun. It's it's a great horror movie. My only problem, and this is just. It wasn't a fault of the movie. It's just knowing the history of the Warrens and, you know, just, again, how horrible people they were. Um, every so often, it would just pop in my head, that fact, to remind me. And it kind of pulled me out of the movie. But again, that wasn't the movie's fault. Um, it's just because if you just go to Wikipedia and you can see all the, the fun stuff they've done. But as as fictional characters... Oh, as fictional characters, great. I mean, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, they're just wonderful. They, they both come in, they're acting their asses off. Uh, they're having a good time doing it. I mean, everyone here is great. I mean, the the whole family that's being haunted by this spirit. I mean, they're all believable. Uh, Frances O'Connor plays the young girl's mother. Ooh. Uh, and she's, I mean, she's great. Uh, you know, all the kids are acting well. It's got some good special effects. Uh, and it's not, it's not like, you know, paranormal activity where we're seeing, oh, the door opens and closes. I mean, no, there's a demon, and you see it, and it will scare the hell out of you. So... That's awesome. I, I love Patrick Wilson. I think he is consistently one of those guys who is kind of unassuming and uh, always puts on a good performance, even if the material isn't that great. Uh, I think he's kind of like the like the poor man's Mark Ruffalo. He's not he's not quite at that level, but like almost. Yeah, and, well, and people forget. I mean, he he was in uh, Angels in America on HBO, yep. the end of the miniseries, and he was fantastic in that. Uh, he was in. He was a creep in Hard Candy, which to this day, even though it's not technically a horror film, still stands up there as one of the most tense, intense movies I've ever seen. Um, Ellen Page is also in that one with him. It does a great job. So yeah, he's he like you said, he kind of flies under the radar. You kind of like, oh yeah, Patrick Wilson. I forgot about him. 
But then if you go back and look at what he's done, I mean, he's been good in everything, and he really hasn't made a bad movie. So uh, he was he was of course in Watchmen yep. as Dan Dryberg, the the second Night Owl, and uh, a really unassuming movie that that I kind of like that that also flew under the the radar, Lakeview Terrace, where uh, oh, that's right, yeah. It, feuding neighbors with him and a racist cop, Samuel L. Jackson, uh, uh, directed by Neil LeBute. So um, I'll always have to give a shout-out to Neil LeBute yeah. whenever and I And I, I still need to watch that. I, I feel bad because I love the first season so much, but he was in the second season of Fargo. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, I, I am also behind on Fargo. I own the damn thing. I haven't watched it yet. But he's no, he, he's good. And then Vera Farmiga, she's, of course, always fantastic. Um and you know she's coming in this movie, kind of going through a crisis of faith at first because she's you know, starting to think, hey, maybe I need to take a break. This is just getting you know getting too intense and kind of taking over our personal lives. Um, but again, she's I mean fantastic. Every, everyone in this is great. It's just it's a fun movie. Uh, you'll definitely get some good jumps out of it, and it's it's something that any fan should go see. That's awesome. It, like I said, it's always great when when a sequel can deliver. Uh, above and beyond what what the first film did unfortunately a film that didn't quite do that is is now you see me too now now i'm not i'm not trashing on it uh but i i think we do need to talk about the first movie in order to correctly understand the second one adam i know you are a fan of of magic and and magic in in film and TV. Oh yeah. Uh, uh, how did you feel about that first? Now you see me. You know, to be completely honest, I've never seen it, and it's horrible because it's one. No that way. I, it's one that I've want. I mean, the trailers look interesting to me, and like you mentioned, I love you know magic in general. You know, Penn and Teller doing it. You know, doing sleight of hand in real life, uh, and it's been on my list. It's been on my Netflix queue for like three years now, or whenever it came out. Uh, and I just, I've never had a chance to see it. And actually, I was going to watch it uh, last night because I was going to go see Now You See Me 2 this morning. Um, but then looking at uh, just movie times and everything else, it just wasn't going to work. So I just, that's why I went and saw The Conjuring instead. Makes sense. So uh, I will I will sum up. Oh, shoot. I am going to spoil this movie if I. It's been out forever. You can do whatever I, you want. Oh, I, I feel terrible. Uh, I will try and get around the spoiler so that. Uh, so that it isn't ruined. My first piece of advice is do go see Now You See Me. Um, Whether you go see Now You See Me 2 or not, kind of up to you. I think it's kind of a middling film, but you should really see the first one. They bring together a group of uh, kind of up-and-coming and and has-been magicians, played by uh, Jesse Eisenberg, who is this, this great street magician, uh, Woody Harrelson, who is a mentalist and hypnotist. Ela Fisher, who plays his former assistant, who has now kind of outshone him as, as a great stage magician herself in her own right. And Dave Franco, who starts off just kind of conning people. And, has and a it's his pocket. birthday today. Oh, it's Dave Franco's birthday. Happy birthday, Dave Did Franco. Do you know how old he is? 25? You're going to feel old. Uh oh, thirty-one. He's thirty-one. Oh yeah. wow! <laughs> Good for Dave Franco. He doesn't look a day over like twenty-five. Eight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> so there you go. Uh, it, anyway, uh, 
there's this myth about uh, a secret society of magicians called the Eye, the uh, from the Eye of Horus, who, which dates back to ancient Egyptian times, that would use magic and misdirection to uh, take from the greedy and powerful and, uh, and give to the poor and the needy. And so they set up this giant uh, series of magic stage shows and, and heists and tricks, uh, which is in fact a giant revenge plot, uh, all surrounding uh, a single uh, failed magic trick that ended up in the death of one of the world's greatest magicians named Lionel Shrike. And uh, they take revenge against uh, Michael Caine's character. He owned the insurance company that refused to pay out on the wrongful death claim and, uh, and so kept his family in poverty. Uh, they take revenge against Morgan Freeman's character, uh, who is one of these guys who goes around debunking magicians uh, because uh, he was indirectly responsible for uh, Shrike taking this huge risk. Okay, so that's the setup for this movie, that they took revenge on them. Well, now they are pulled out of retirement into another trick where they are supposed to expose a, a tech billionaire uh, who is about to put out uh, the newest new awesome phone, which in fact is designed to steal everyone's personal information and then sell it on the black market. So if you think of this guy as kind of a Steve Jobs type, well, guess what? Uh, there's a brilliant uh, Steve Wozniak type character played here by Daniel Radcliffe, little Harry Potter. Yes, Harry <laughs> Potter in a magic movie. That's hilarious. Yeah. And uh, actually, uh, this was set up by him to try and take revenge on his former partner. And he, he needs these four horsemen, these magicians, uh, to, uh, to engage in another daring heist uh, in, in Macau, China, uh, in order to help him basically take over the world. So uh, hijinks ensue, and they, they try and pull off the the biggest heist and uh, sleight of hand trick ever where they have to steal this piece of technology but then also not give it to the bad guy. It's it's very complicated and the biggest problem that, that I have with this movie is the first film had a very real sense of danger and mystery and it has a really great twist ending. Uh, when it reveals what's actually going on. Mm -hmm. When you actually see how they performed all of these tricks, what they were actually doing, how much of it was misdirection. And uh, it was really a lot of fun. It was directed incredibly well uh, by Louis Leterrier, uh, who is known for doing the Transporter movies and uh, the, the second Incredible Hulk movie. Uh, so he's a he's a very good director. This one is directed by John Chu, who did the Step Up movies. Oh, good. And and last year's Gem and the Holograms. Oh, good. So I, you may remember, I didn't hate Gem and the Holograms. I don't hate the Step Up movies, but they're not. Yeah, they're not great art. This is also not great art. 
And um, Morgan Freeman has this great line in the movie where he says, a great trick can be understood and enjoyed on multiple levels. This movie cannot. <laughs> so it's it's very kind of one note you get the um you get the uh the single storyline and that's it oh and i mentioned uh i should mention that ela fisher who was amazing and probably my favorite part of the first film has been replaced in this movie they couldn't get her back because she was pregnant and so they literally just replaced her and, uh, I mean, they explain why they did it, and I guess it kind of makes sense. And the person they replaced her with is, is not terrible. It's, it's just not quite the same. Um, but this movie lacks the, pardon the pun, magic of the first film. And uh, other than a really great scene where we get to see Mark Ruffalo take on an entire team of... Uh, like Chinese gangsters uh, mm -hmm. by pulling amazing magic tricks off on them. Uh, this this really misses a lot of the spectacle uh, and how did they do that of the first film. Yeah. Uh, there There's some other cool things that they do with, with card tricks and, and other things that are fun, but they're not great. So... Uh, the, I'm at like a six and a half on this. It's mm -hmm. it, If you really, really, really loved the first one and you're like, oh, I gotta see the sequel because I gotta find out what my favorite horsemen are up to, then I guess you might have a good time, but I can't wholeheartedly recommend this. It's, it's just not as good as the first one. And you really should just go revisit that one because it's a much better movie and far more entertaining. Uh, this this film really is a commentary, however, on filmmaking and Hollywood in America today. The first movie was a huge phenomenal success, but most of that business came from China. So guess what? Half of this movie is filmed in Macau and has several large parts played by Chinese actors. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm not saying that they're, that's like fan service or anything like that, but I am saying that uh, it's, it's just the nature of Hollywood right now that uh, the foreign box office is very important and China is an even bigger market than the US. So, uh, in in some sense, this movie wasn't necessarily made for us. It was made for our, our friends in China. So you don't necessarily have to go see it in the theaters right now. Uh, you can wait for this to come out on Redbox or on Netflix or catch it when it's on on a Saturday afternoon on TBS, as I'm sure it will be at some point. So uh, that's my that's my recommendation. But it's it's a decent movie. Yeah, and it's 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 interesting because I meant what you mentioned with Warcraft is like you know how well it's doing it over to China, and that's probably the main reason why it will end up getting a sequel. But a lot of people always I've heard it brought up a complaint. Well, how come the movie came out over there first and didn't hit us until last? Um, it's because even though these movies do make more money overseas, uh, if it gets bad reviews from the U.S. press and does does poorly here, uh, it generally will do poorly around the around the world. So. 
Um, if you're ever sitting back and wondering, hey, why'd they get this before we did? Uh, that's the exact reason why. Sometimes it's just because Disney and Marvel are assholes. <laughs> <laughs> and Lucasfilm. Um, yeah. So anyway, so that, that's it for this week. You know, uh, the obvious winner here will be The Conjuring 2, but even the other two didn't fare too badly. So if you're bored uh, and you're not watching the Tonys, or if you already didn't watch the Tonys because by the time you hear this, Hamilton will have already won everything. It will um, win everything. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sure if it could, it would somehow win Best Revival, too. Um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, Conjuring 2, and then if you love Now You See Me, too, now you see me check out the sequel. Um, next and if week, you though, love Warcraft, you can check out that yes. movie, too. So, yeah. Uh, next week, though, is the long-awaited and very, very excited for movie uh, Finding Dory. Which Speaking is, of sequels. Yes, uh, and hopefully ones that are done well uh, from early thoughts I've heard about it from uh, certain things I've heard it's really really good so I know we're both excited for that and then there's also Central Intelligence which I don't think anyone gives a shit about so anyways <laughs> I'm actually kind of sad they scheduled our screenings for Central Intelligence and Finding Dory at the same time at the same theater I kind of wanted to see Central Intelligence just be- <laughs> just because I love The Rock that much but I, I don't think I'm going to go pay to go see it. So, yeah, so we'll, uh, we'll talk about Finding Dory next week, I think, is what, <laughs> what that comes down to. <laughs> but yeah, Finding Dory is the big one. I know we're all excited for it. Uh, you know, Obviously, last year, Pixar had uh, Inside Out, which is to me was one of the best films of 2015. So That was great. Uh, hopefully, Finding Dory can live up to that. But we'll let you know next week. One one thing really quickly before, sorry to cut you off, but one thing really quickly, if you're tired of all these sequels and you're tired of remakes and you're tired of movies based off video games and other properties and you're like, where is the originality in Hollywood? Guess what? We've talked about a lot of really cool original films on this podcast uh, that have come out in the last six months and I made a list for you. So if you go over to Big Shiny Robot, look for uh, my list of the top 13 original movies that have come out in 2016 so far. You want to go check those out. Uh, Most of them are now coming out on uh, streaming or DVD and Blu-ray, so you can enjoy them in the comfort and privacy of your own home. Uh, and, And this was mostly because I was just so happy that Hail Caesar finally came out and I I had to find a way to promote that and tell people to, to go and see it as much as, as possible because that, that is my second favorite movie of the year so far. So cool. Yeah. So lots of good stuff out there. And also for the people who are complaining that, you know, Oh, there's no new original stuff coming out in movies. Um, that's because when it comes out, you don't go see it (laughs) and then they're afraid to make more. Um, you know, so Go check out, like, you know, Nice Guys. Check out uh, Green Room. Uh, like you yep. mentioned, uh, Hail Caesar. Movies that are unique, interesting, and are fun. That uh, if you don't go see, then you can't you can't complain that you're getting sequels. Because that's, you know, in the end, all that matters is the bottom line. And that's what they're trying to do is make money. So, yep. But anyways, uh, next week, like I said, Finding Dory. But until then, Hail Satan, and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's all right. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly